Hi, I'm Jamie Winkup. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tander. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. The TV deal's done, FPR and SBR change owners, and Red Bull starts to tease. Coming in! Right here. i got a precious cargo! Come on, boys, we got one! That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. Find out what's going on in the world of V8 supercars with the V8 Insider. Here's the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Red Bull Racing has started their social media campaign. Straight up! What the f*** are you doing down there? Get up your ass! Have a look at that engine! Expect more to come as the team prepares to unveil its new car on February 14. Network 7 will continue to broadcast the V8 Supercar Series for the next two years in a deal finalised this week. The teams, without confirmed sponsorship for the season, have been sweating on the announcement. V8 Supercars have said that they made the decision to take a shorter contract than they had hoped to negotiate in an attempt to break the series from the current sports media rights cycle, which has seen the AFL, NRL, A-League and cricket rights all come up over the past 18 months. The pay television and online media rights are still to be finalised. David Richards' British-based ProDrive has sold out of FPR, selling it to Rod Nash and Rusty French. Tim Edwards will remain the team principal and will continue to be responsible for the day-to-day runnings of the now four-car team. Stone Brothers Racing is no longer with the announcement on January 8 that Erebus Motorsport has taken over control of one of the wrecks and will lease the second wreck from the Stone Brothers for two more years when they will eventually take over the licence in 2015. Greg Murphy has announced that he'll not be seeking a full-time drive this season in the main game. He instead announced that he'll be looking for the best endurance drive available. Murphy has had 15 full seasons in the V8 Supercar Championship and has had a trying year following further back problems that kept him out of the Pepsi car for a number of events. Murphy will continue to drive the Mike Perro Racing Holden in the upcoming V8 Super Tourist Championship in New Zealand. And finally, the latest edition of V8X Magazine is now available with Kelly Racing's new Ultimas on the cover. Find out about the ambitious Nissan project in this edition, along with all the great regular columns, including Frosty, Kim Jones and Larko. You can find V8X in stores or online through the mag shop for the iPod edition.
And that's the news for Noback Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au. After the break, Controversy Corner time with Richard Crowell and William Dale. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week, it is from Speed Week, none other than Richard Crail, the V8 Best Commentator from the V8 Media Awards last year and joining us for his debut. And it's a a great debut to have early in the year too. William Dale from speedtv.com.au. Good evening, William. Thank you very much, Craig. Good evening yourself. And, uh, well, it's interesting to have you guys both on the show. For one of the other listeners who have been listening in diligently every week, this is actually the first show we've recorded in 2013. And fittingly, on the week we return, V8 Supercars tell us that Channel 7 has got V8 Supercars for two more years. And, William, I know you come from far north Queensland, Perhaps you can talk to us a little bit about the coverage that you experienced before you, you moved to the metropolis that is Sydney. <laughs> and what a wonderful metropolis it is. Uh, it's, it was always a bit um, hit and miss, I guess, as to knowing, well, being a um, devout follower of V8 supercars before I got involved in the industry, of course, I'd go into the guides and follow it along and figure out where and when I needed to be watching. But I guess for the casual fan, it's a bit more difficult and one of the other things that used to hurt in Queensland, of course, with daylight savings, a lot of races were on an hour delay. And when, when you want to follow along on social media, it doesn't really work. It, did you notice a change between the 10 and the 7 days? Uh, to be honest, I thought the, quali- the quality of the coverage, back from as far as I can remember... I think it stepped up a tiny bit with Channel 7, but again, it's, yeah, quite solid coverage on both parts. Mm. Richard, I have to say that I think both platforms, 7 and 10, have given an equal quality of programming over the years and of course V8 Supercars did eventually take it over and run it as their own which then standardises it and really it doesn't matter where it's shown now it is going to be the same quality of coverage. Yeah I think we're very lucky in Australia with the motorsport TV that we get and the the output that we get for a, a relatively small championship on a global scale and let's be honest if you're going to go and look at stuff like IndyCar is bigger than us in terms of their potential reach in their American market and uh, DTM, you know, maybe even British Touring Cars. If you look at the output and the product that we get to watch, it's outstanding. And the, the camera angles and 
fly cam and the onboard cameras in helmets and cameras back in curbs and Mark Larkin with his whiteboard and all these kind of things. Uh, I think that our TV coverage is produced to a standard that is incredibly high and, and we set benchmarks for it and that's why they win awards. The, the point that William makes about it being over the place is a valid one and it's something that for starters is going to continue and V8s have confirmed today that um, it will be a very similar format to what we've seen in the past where it'll be on every race will be on seven unless there's a clash with AFL in which case we'll go to seven mate. My personal opinion with that is I don't have a drama with it because I know it's going to be on seven mate so I can set the box up to record it and not have a problem. It's the casual fans like William said that is the issue and that's where the sport's got to do a better job of promoting what it's doing and showing off where it's racing is. So whether that's um, something they need to do on their website better, whether it's something they need to do on previous shows, okay, well, next round there's going to be splits here and there, or maybe it's something they need to work with Seven on, making sure that they're very clear on where the sport's going to be showing. I think that's the critical thing. I don't have a problem with it being on separate networks, and we're the last category in the world to do that, because everybody else does. But I think it's important that we tell people where to watch. That's the key thing they've got to work on going forward. Mm. Of course, William, it's interesting because... We are now getting into the digital television age. In two or three years' time, no one's going to remember that there was only one seven, there was only one nine, only one ten, only one ABC and SBS. We are going to get into a, a period where the new followers are not going to remember that seven mates different. It was the same as seven. It, it's a, a fascinating thing that a lot of people just can't get their head around that seven mate really is eventually not going to be any different to 7.2 or 7. If the program's on that station and you want to watch, you just set your recorder and watch it. It's just we've got this analogue conversion happening to the fans. Oh, absolutely. And as you say, it's a question of adapting your mindset and accepting the fact that, yes, the content, that all three of those channels are Channel 7. There's no, I guess, hierarchy, for want of a better word, as you say, though, the issue is the analogue conversion and in regional areas where that's being progressively turned off in favour of the digital channels. Well, it's that process of people adapting and realising that that's what this multi-channeling concept is all about. That's still going. And people will take time to, I guess, adjust. It, there's a good argument you can make, too, that just like Speed TV has HD... Seven Mate is actually the HD channel of Seven, which would therefore make it its premium carrier. Where? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, no, no, that's all. It, it actually that that was it was a, a funny side effect last year. Funny for me, probably not for, for hardcore fans, but um, the, the people here in South Australia and uh, I know Victoria as well and WA that the AFL states um, ended up getting a bonus because we got V8 supercars in high definition. Uh, and I'm speaking from Adelaide. So we actually got V8 in HD on 7 mate when the major markets in Sydney were, were that didn't have the clashes with AFL um, got it in, in standard def. So people were complaining and whinging about it um, being bumped onto 7 mate, but then going, oh, hang on a minute, this is a, a good thing. Uh, and much of the same thing actually happened with Formula 1 um, on 10 and 1. And um, when it was broadcast live on 1, it's in HD. So... I don't think it's all bad. Oh, it's fantastic. Mm. Sorry, Woo. 
Oh, it's, it's a perfectly valid point. I, got, I will say, though, that, as you say, the media landscape is changing and evolving. The fact that it's a two-year deal, I think, is probably quite good for the category in that respect. I mean, you look at how the media landscape was two years previously and how it's massively changed since then. In two years' time, it might be a very good opportunity to start looking for, to continue progress in online or wherever. Again, two years. It's it's probably about the right sort of length that you would want unless you're looking for a big number. Mm. And interestingly, two years gets them off the league AFL cricket soccer cycles. And that's critical. I know I know. you have conversation with driver managers and they go, oh, but I've got them off cycle, um, which means they're worth more. And I'm going, well, if they're off cycle, are they worth more? Aren't they going to be worth more when there's more uh, competition for seats? But I guess the risk is you uh, your team doesn't have the choice of getting other drivers when all the other drivers are signed up as well. So perhaps that's going to also provide opportunity because, uh, Richard, the ones that miss out on this go-round are going to have some space to fill and they might be interested in a in a five- or seven-year cycle or eight-year cycle, I think you need to do, uh, to get it back on course. But, uh, you know, they might want to go five, eight years uh, just to lock in a big sporting product. Well, why does, why does it have to go back into sync eventually? I can't see any reason why you can't. I think this is a case of, of uh, you take a little bit of short-term pain, and we don't know what the budget is being thrown at V8 for this year. Everybody says it's less. I don't know. I don't think it's, I probably don't think it's less. I think it's probably similar sort of money. Um, but we take a little bit of short-term pain with a, a short-term TV deal. But as you said, out of sync, and then in 2015, it becomes a whole lot clearer and, and different opportunities will open up. And the best thing is that the media market's changing so quickly, and you guys know this, that it's changing so quickly that in 10 years' time, the market could be very, very different. It's how quickly it's evolving. And who's to say that in two years' time, Foxtel don't come down with a massive offer or Channel 10 come back on the table, or who knows? It's... Um, it's a very, very interesting thing. And I'm all for the shorter deal for this sort of transition phase. And I think that's what we're in. Mm. I mean, who's to say that Channel 10 in two years' time won't be able to make a place? If they get their fortunes turned around, we assume that Channel 9 will retain the cricket, which is the next big one to go. If Channel 10 don't have that, they're going to struggle with major sports for the next couple of years. Short-term V8 deal now, two years, that comes up. Ken might go, this is our opportunity. We can get it before anyone else has an opportunity um, and see what happens. So I, I'm, I'm not convinced this is a doom and gloom that some people are making it out to be. Mm. The other big thing, William, is two years' time. Uh, it also stays off the Olympic cycle because uh, Olympics is another big money money pit for sport. Oh, absolutely. And as you say, with that cycle you look at the most recent cycle, you had Olympics, you had AFL, you had NRL, you had A-League, you had all these big dollar sports, and the V8 ended up, I guess, the V8 ended up at the tail end of that buy, buy, rights-buying process, and not to say that we've been shortchanged in any way, shape or form, but that with all the bidders already having invested large sums of money into other sports, maybe that doesn't leave a whole lot for all sports that follow. So getting them out of that cycle, I think, it, yeah, for sure, is 
fantastic. Well, we need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders. We've got plenty more to talk about when we return. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Each week, find out what's going on in the world of V8 Supercars with the V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining me, William Dale from speedtv.com.au and Richard Crowell from Speed Week. And probably how many other things could we lump in there? I know that you're going to be extremely busy with, whilst it's not a V8 supercar event, the, of course, 12-hour at Bathurst is a huge event that you're involved with too, Richard. We'll get the plug in there. Uh, Lots of uh, 12, or lots of V8 supercar drivers in that, uh, Craig. Craig Lowndes, for one. Stephen Richards, uh, enduro driver, for another. And Warren Luff will be there. So, yeah, plenty of V8 supercar faces will be in that paddock. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a very, very big weekend. That's um, 52 cars on the list at the moment and uh, more coming. So... It's going to be an exciting weekend. It is going to be a, a great one as well. Guys, uh, silly season. We still have a few drivers to be confirmed. Of course, Nissan is the, the banner mark that everyone's looking to see who's going to be driving where. And uh, I, I heard a bit of a rumour, William, you're the one up in Sydney. Uh, I believe one of the to-be-confirmed Nissan drivers might have had a drive of a, a new Altima in Sydney last week when there were some uh, shakedowns and runs being done? I've got to say, I, I hadn't actually heard that one, Craig, so that one seems to me. Um, it wouldn't surprise me. I think I think it's a reasonably... Um, whilst it's not obviously been confirmed, I think, I think we would all be quite surprised if Michael Caruso and James Moffat aren't driving those two Ultimas. And particularly you were taking photos of James just checking out the cockpit there at Sydney. He was taking rather a lot of interest in the car, wasn't he? <laughs> Richard, uh, what about what about silly season? We we I guess the big thing is Murph has said I'm not going to be a main game full time driver. I'm just back for the enduro. So uh, a sad end, really. Just to follow up on that, um, the Moffat point, I bumped into a Speedway City on Boxing Day night. I said, "What have you been doing on your holidays, Moff?" And he goes, "Been moving to Melbourne." <laughs> and uh, I think that says it all about what he's going to be driving uh, in 2013. Um, yeah, very interesting, um, the Murphy thing. I, I'm I'm really disappointed as a fan of a fast, capable, exciting, polarising driver that the sport needs, and that's what Greg Murphy is. Um, I'm disappointed he doesn't have a full-time drive. What I hope happens is that he lands, and it would be hard to believe that this wouldn't happen, that he lands in a great seat for the Enduros and goes to Bathurst and maybe even does like a, what a Mark Scaife did with Craig Lands and go out there and, and win the race or, or have a great result and remind people of what he's capable of. But mm. you've got to remember, it's very, very tough for drivers to leave full-time and come back. And probably Alex Davison is one of the few that we've seen that. Steve Holland has done that, but... Bugs, uh, done it twice. Well, yeah, not real successfully though, was it? But... Um, they're probably the only two that have really done it consistently and 
they're certainly uh, a fair bit younger than Murphy. So it, it's uh, an unfortunate move, but I, I hope it brings Murphy some results. I, I think it's good for his fans because it will mean, I'm, I've got no doubt he'll end up in a quick car for the Enduros. Why would you not put Greg Murphy in your car? If I was Roland Dane, I would be ringing him straight away. Who's he going to dump? Luffy or uh, Dumbrell? Well, I, I don't know. That's a tough decision as well. But um, surely you go for Murphy. Or, or Holden Racing Team, maybe maybe a reunion there. Mm. Murph and Candy, can you imagine that as a combination of Panorama? William, wow. your thoughts on on uh, Greg Murphy? Well, I'm, I'm a I don't I don't think Murph taking this option is necessarily doom and gloom. It's realistically looking at the seats that are still available. If he's not go- if he was not going to be with Nissan, what what is his best chance of I guess Bathurst success? And it's not with, unfortunately, a full-time drive. It's going the going the option of being an enduro driver and getting picked by one of those top teams where there are several seats not locked in, potentially available. But Lucas Dumbrell is going to be a satellite Triple Eight team. I still haven't been confirmed what Jonathan Webb's up to. That's another. Triple Eight satellite unit. Surely, William, those two cars are worth considering. Oh, absolutely. They both will be strong cars, and as as certainly as Techno proved on various occasions through 2012, they were a very, very fast package. And of course, with Triple Eight um, supplying their components again this year and supplying the cars, I should say, I've no reason to doubt that they'll be very strong again this year. But in terms of track records of who can win races, who can win big races, and if that's what Murph realistically wants to do from now on, being an enduro driver is the best way to achieve those goals. Look at what Paul Dumbrell did. Look at what Warren Luff has done. Look at what Mark Sca- as we discussed, what Mark Scaife did. All those people have big wins on their CV now that they didn't have before they became enduro-only drivers. And personally, I think that's that's got to be what Murph is thinking by doing this. Mm. Both of you now, who do you have tipped to go into the web? The second... Well, Fiori's sort of on the edge of whether he's going to drive or not. Then you have Lucas's Dumbrell. I think we've all penciled in Scott Pye, but we're not sure about Taz. Then you have also going over... Uh, you know, so, so many seats still vacant and I guess everyone's been waiting to see if they can hook a sponsor or whether they need to get a buy driver like Carl Reinler still isn't confirmed anywhere at this stage yeah I'm 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 think you'll see Carl at a seat I hope you do I hope we see Taz back in the seat um I think Taz did a pretty good job last year in in what I think we all know is Certainly not the strongest car in the field. Um, I reckon Taz did a good job. I'd like to see him have another crack. And I think it would be good for Lucas Dumbrell's team to have the driver stick around more this season. I think that would be hugely important for them because they've had a high turnover, as we know. Um, yeah, that, that second techno seat, that's got to be the best seat in the sport to get at the moment, surely. That's, uh, that's a gun thing. There's rumours going around that uh, there'll be a certain young development series driver jumping in the third uh, Erebus Motorsport, formerly Stone Brothers Racing seat. 
So uh, that'll be very interesting to see. But that techno seat would be a good one. You mentioned William Murph driving in there would be good, wouldn't it? But um, that enduro way is obviously the way he's going. But that's a good seat. You know, Michael Petrizzi didn't do a bad job last season. And he's probably another guy that with, with a consistent seat in a second year would... I reckon do a much better job. And the great so, thing um, about him is he has a personality, Richard. Yeah, he's fiery. He's not. He's not afraid to speak up. He's not afraid to say what he feels. And the sport is desperately in need of that. We need more people like Patrizzi who can go and and sort of say what they really feel if uh, somebody punts them off the racetrack, which is gold for us. So, yeah, there's some great tweaks, as you said. Um, I, I think you'll see Ryan. I think there was some talk at the end of last year that he was. Kind of back to Dick Johnson Racing. Remember, he drove there um, in his development series days. So that would almost be ironic because he would take the seat that Dean Fiore has, we think, since vacated there, since he's handed his uh, license over. So one West Australian for another. I think that'd be good for Carl. Um, I hope he gets a drive. He's another driver that I think had some real glimpses of performance last year and not a very good car. And we'll see where he can go. Um, in 2013, but some good seats up for grabs. William. What I do think, just to add, is that this will all happen now really quickly. Uh, after today's announcement with the TV rights, this will all fall into place within two or three weeks of all of this locked away. Yeah, because what we haven't been told, obviously, but what the teams have been told is what's their 25% and, and of course, their share of that 25%. Uh, so they can work out how much they need a driver to bring, how much they need a sponsor to bring, and, and or both. And uh, they can start making some of those hard decisions, which, you know, in a, in a 2013 year, which sees Car of the Future being launched, you, you've got to know that they're all going to be wanting as much money as available to them to be able to run that program. William, uh, just uh, some of your thoughts about drivers that you would like to see back and or that you think might might be missing? Well, I think Crowley hit the nail on the head talking about Petruzzi. He, he he really did a, quite a solid job in that second techno car this year. There were times when he was certainly on Jonathan Webb's pace and, in fact, qualified ahead of him, if I recall correctly, on a couple of occasions. Um, I don't... And as he... If, he would be a solid choice for any team looking for a driver that I suspect he may also be able to provide a bit of funding as well. Certainly with the um, sponsorship model that Techno used this year, I think they introduced several sponsors to the sport that could potentially follow Petruzzi to wherever he would like to go. Mm. And if you're a development series driver, well, I guess now, as Scott Pye and as others discussed at the end of last year, now is the time you want to be getting in. Everyone is starting from a clean sheet of paper, learning how to drive these new cars. You don't want to be waiting around in the development series for an extra year, gaining, I guess, mental data on on what is ultimately not the car you will be racing if you graduate to the main series. If I was a few of the younger... It wouldn't surprise me to see a few or at least a couple of a couple more development series drivers make the jump up. Mm. Well, we need to take a break. I'm going to bring you guys back for the white flag lap because there's still some big stories we need to cover here on the V8 Insiders. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch watched the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8 
V8X magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Tony Delberto for listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the Vat Insiders. It's the White Flag Lap brought to you by Fujitsu, Australia's leading air. And Richard Crayhill and William Dale still with me. Because, uh, guys, it was mentioned in passing that Shane Van Gisbergen's left SBR. But I guess one of the big stories over the year, Christmas, New Year break was that Betty is now full owner of Stone Brothers Racing. And, Richard, it's Erebus Motorsport all the way. And uh, I guess it'll be interesting to see just how much involvement Ross will continue to have throughout 2013? Well, Betty, uh, it seems, has discovered Facebook and uh, posted a couple of very interesting posts uh, a couple of weeks ago on her Facebook fan page and it's since quadrupled in numbers of people following it since that's all happened. But, um, yeah, look, really, really interesting. Sad in a way, as a traditionalist, uh, to see a great team like SBR who has been at the forefront since uh, the 90s of this sport, disappear, but it's still Stone Brothers Racing uh, with a different name and different cars. It's the 47 people that work there will remain the same, augmented by Erebus and, and their structures that they're going to put in place, and I'm sure there'll be some change. But remember, Stone Brothers Racing is a very, very good racing car team as it is, so I don't think there's too much you need to change. And in a program where they're accelerating this development of the E-Class AMG to get it on the track in time, um, the last thing you want to be doing is going and fucking around with your crew members. So I think, um, look, it's good for the sport. She, she's going to spend the money. She's got a track record of backing it all the way, which she's done with her GT program. She's been involved in the sport for 15 years, knows where it's at, knows what it's about. If you're going to sell your team to a private investor, she's the person to do it to. Um... And, and we mentioned before about the personalities, didn't we? Betty is a personality, and that's fantastic. And I am absolutely certain that if someone fixes her driver up on the racetrack and puts them in the fence, she will be the first one in front of the Channel 7 camera or maybe someone in the team on her behalf uh, making a comment. And that's great. I think that's going to be really good. So, yeah, it's an interesting race. That's certainly, William, when the uh, Mercedes of Peter Hackett went into the wall there and... Uh, and bounced off one wall into the other. She certainly had a very expressive face on the TV coverage. Oh, I don't think anyone who was at Homebush that day will ever forget that look on her face when that happened. But as you say, Crowley, she's a fantastic character. And you mentioned her Facebook page, where, where I guess the world at large has been able to get a bit of an insight into Betty, Betty Clemengo. There was a very interesting post I thought a couple of weeks ago if, you're, if anyone out there listening is concerned about whether Betty is passionate about motorsport, she wrote a very eloquent description of how much she loves the sport. And, and, now, and a wonderful, I guess, a wonderful post on how much she loves an event very dear to your heart, as we just touched on before, Crowley, the Bathurst 12-hour, and how yeah, much she yeah. enjoys getting up at obscene hours of the morning just to be on the mountain enjoying watching racing cars go around and ultimately we're all the same we all love we all love cars flying around a racetrack her passion is no different to ours yeah absolutely of course another sale that probably was expected 
but then perhaps not as expected as quickly, was the sale of FPR. And William, uh, Rod Nash and uh, Rusty French now buying the team. So I guess that means Dave Reynolds is now the lead driver at FPR? <laughs> I think that maybe Dave feels that way. I'm sure. I wonder if anyone suggested that to him. I'm sure he'd have rather a good response. I think they would be the right people to step in. I mean, you've got that continuity with Rod Nash already being involved with the team. I think if FPR was going to be for sale, those are the right two men to buy in. I mean, Rod Nash has been involved in V8 Supercars for as a team owner for at least the last what, 15 or so years. Rusty French yeah. has been in and out of the sport for substantially longer than that. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people listening remember his beautiful black gloss finish Porsche 935 getting around Australia's race tracks at high speed. They're the, they're the right guys. If if as I said, if the team had to be for sale, they're the right two men to afford it. It's going to see a, a, a real change in the in the look of how all these teams are structured because it's probably one of the most fascinating years we've had in quite some time, Richard. Yeah, it is. Um, and for Car of the Future thing, just you throw all the balls in the air and see where it lands, don't you? And, and that's great. That's fantastic. That's what we want. I know William follows IndyCar racing quite closely for his, his duties on speedtv.com.au and, and I think very much the same we saw in IndyCar last year, William, where the new car, the Delara, came in engine competition came back, levelled the playing field. We had different winners. We had a new team win the championship that hadn't done it for a couple of years. We had Mighty Penske and Ganassi on the back foot. So many new stories came through. And I think that's what, I hope that's what we see in V8 Supercars. I hope we see different teams get up there and win races. How brilliant would it be, and I'm not saying this is likely, but how good would it be if Techno go out and unlocks the secrets of a Triple Eight car of the future, cruising in Triple Eight? And Jonathan Webb goes and wins the first two rounds of the championship. I mean, this is the kind of thing that isn't without the realms of possibility. I mean, Nissan could go out at Cooksville 500 and win on debut, and that's what the record been designed for. That's what everybody's working for, and that's why there's a buzz about the out this year. Despite the dramas that seem to be going on here and there, and the lazy TV deal, and some uncertainty about who's going to be driving, I think this whole clean sheet approach is a good thing for the sport, and it's going to going to reinvigorate the championship. Remember, we had a year where two teams won every championship race, which is unprecedented in that competitive type of motorsport that we've got. So we need uh, we need some variety. We need some different winners, and I hope that's what we get. Mm. William, what about your uh, wish list? Well, I agree. I really think the car of the future concept will will create that. As you say, not everyone is going to to be able to hit one out of the park every weekend. I think I was talking to Lee Holmesworth at the end of last year and he mentioned that ideally they'd like to... If you can get your car in the ballpark in terms of setup before you arrive to the track, then you stand a good chance of doing well at Clipsville. Not everyone's going to be in that boat. You never know. Triple Eight may miss the boat. FPR may miss the boat. We might... HRT might come out of the gate with a very strong car. Mm. And that's going to change track to track because all of a sudden we don't have years and years and years and years worth of data telling these teams, all these top teams and all the rest of the teams in the field what to do to make these cars go fast. And as that learning process occurs throughout the year, we will see the odd, the odd fantastically weird and different result. And 
I'm really looking forward to it. Mm, it's going to be a great year ahead. William, thank you very much for joining us here on the V8 Insiders. No worries. Thanks for the invite. And also, Crayley, thanks for coming back on. We look forward to catching up with you very shortly. And I should mention that uh, you're probably going to be talking about the 12-hour on Inside Motorsport very soon. I look forward to that. It's going to be a great race. And uh, I hope V8 fans, V8 Insiders fans, uh, get involved with it because, uh, as I said, a lot of uh, V8 nutritionists and V8 cars in that field as well. So uh, looking forward to it, Craig. Uh, looking forward to a big year on the Insiders. It's fun. Yes, that's all we have time for this week. So check the flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Still next time around, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.